Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frustic, and today I'm joined by Allegra Frank. Hey, Allegra. What's up, Russ? Not much, not much. We're also joined by Christopher Thomas Plant, lover of holidays and all things festive. And he has a very special holiday to talk about. Well, an activity, a holiday tradition, if you will. Sure. Talk to us, Chris Plant. If people listen to the last episode, they already know what it is. So... I'm not going to do an elevator pitch. I, I, no? Like, no. I'm going to do some. Oh, what wow. if I don't remember what I'm it is? I'm going to paint a scene for you. A okay? pastiche. Are you ready? That's not what this is, but <laughs> that's definitely a word. Uh, okay. <clears throat> a milieu. Okay. It's, it's ancient Greece. You can close your eyes. It, unless you're driving okay. and you're listening to this, don't close your eyes. Yeah, don't close your eyes. Okay. That's bad. It's an, it, it, you're in ancient Greece. You live okay. on an island. You can you can hear the ocean lapping against okay. uh, against the shore. I'm lost in a maze. Most of the time, you don't see many folks because it's ancient Greece and you live on an island. You pretty much only see the people from your village. Um, you're pretty wealthy. You you own your own estate, which explains this beautiful view you have of the sunset. Uh, it's been a bountiful harvest. But now winter is approaching, oh, and, no. and a cool sea wind is beginning to stir, and it's a little unsettling. But you're not worried, because you're rich. So, like, <laughs> what, what, what could be that bad? Uh, when, in, a, in the distance, you hear a song. Came, came the swallow with pleasant seasons with the beautiful year. It is white underneath and black on the back. You roll the fruitcake out of the rich mansion and a cup of wine and a basket of cheese. <laughs> nor wheat bread shall the swallow, nor pulse bread refuse. Now should we leave or else receive? If so, then give or else we're not content. We'll take the door. Oh my god, oh, how the long is this? <laughs> oh, woman. She was sitting outside it. She's small, small indeed. And an easy load. Allegra is losing her mind right <laughs> now. We will bring, bring something large. Now open. Open the door. For the swallow. We're not old men. But only children. Twist, they were young all along. A crowd of kids rumbles towards your home, singing this menacing tune, and they're dressed as... That's right, you guessed it, because you paid close attention to the lyrics. They're dressed as swallows. And they demand your money and your food. Boom, the origins of trick-or-treating. Okay, so first of all, I'd be very confused because I don't know English because this is ancient Greece. <clears throat> sure, 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 sure. Secondly, I feel like they'd be dressed as minotaurs because, like, no. they had a lot of monster options. You're, you're thinking back of, then. Uh, of mainland Greece? Uh, these isles? No, the minotaur lives on Crete. Yeah, uh, uh, by, by comparison, okay, so, so I understand you have a lot of questions. You have a lot of ignorance that you're displaying, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch you up. Uh, mm. What you just heard is the Swallow Song of Rhodes, uh, and it is sung during this kind of ancient version of trick-or-treating. Now, this part might surprise you, 
there actually isn't a record of how the tune should sound. I was going to ask. I made that up. <laughs> I that, that's surprising because it honestly, it sounded like, like a Rosencrantz. No, no, that's, that's not right. No. It sounded like mm-hmm. a, a Elton John sure. rendition. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, I would love to know who Rosencrantz Who was I going to say? The, Gil- who was the duo? Gilbert and Sullivan <laughs> sure, sure, is sure, what sure, I wanted sure. to say. Rosencrantz and Gilbert this basically the the event uh, of these children dressing up as swallows, uh, going door to the birds. Go, to yes, be sure. clear, going door to door of these like wealthy estates asking for food and money. It would happen in the month of and oh, forgive me on the pronunciation of this one, uh, Birdromian, maybe. Um, Birdromian. Uh, Birdromian. Listen, okay. I actually have better pronunciations of some of the more complicated words coming up, but bear with me here. Oh, boy. Um, and yeah, they, they would sing the song, which was preserved in <laughs> by Athanius of Nacratus in the Dipnosophiste. I'm sorry, didn't you three seconds ago say you were proud of your pronunciations? I was going to get better. <laughs> okay, don't worry. I promise there's going to come a point where it's going to be like, wow, very good thing that you looked up the pronunciations because that's not even close to how the word would sound. Um, but what's interesting about this is it's preserved in this book that I, now you might be surprised because Dipnosophiste, mm-hmm. it seems kind of obvious what that would mean, right? Totally. Sure. It would mean Something about dinosaurs. roughly the dinner expert. Uh, it's one of the oldest cookbooks. But oh. it, alongside all these recipes, um, Athenius uh, collected various kind of stories uh, and cultural artifacts of, of the different areas of Greece. This being one of them. So thank goodness to this cookbook writer <laughs> and many other things for preserving what is kind of Again, it's not, as we'll find out, a true, uh, true origin story of trick-or-treating, but it lays the pagan groundwork that will mm. become crucial for our journey today. Um, what's also interesting about it is everybody's like, oh, that, that month, uh, if you follow the Attic calendar, that's autumn. So it definitely uh, is the origin of, of all these pagan rituals. But the lyrics themselves... Are referring to spring they say mention they mention pleasant seasons in it again i'm sure you caught that during my performance yeah um, in in the rhodian calendar which is a calendar of roads that month is or that kind of month and put that in scare quotes for what time meant was in spring so uh this is a thing that you mentioned last week in your episode that holidays can appear in may or like may day area um mm-hmm. or in the spring and then have been kind of grafted into the fall um yeah it's 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 very strange uh kind of a little nitty-gritty there to start off the episode um but you know thanks for sticking with me today we will be talking about trick-or-treating and its origins uh where last week we spoke a lot about the states we'll be spending a lot of our time in europe uh today and we'll be focusing largely on and here's where i'm glad that i looked up how to pronounce this Salwin or oh Chauvin. Which is yeah. spelled S A M U I N or S A M H A I N. So, sounds nothing like it looks. Uh, <coughs> it's a Celtic festival. There are, no, 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 no. There are, there are some. I, I, I found this out too. 
that there are some naysayers who say you should say Celtic, but I'm going to say Yeah, if you're from Celtic. Boston and you're yeah. rooting for the basketball uh, team. Anyway, Celtic <laughs> Festival uh, held from October 31st to November 1st. Uh, it The Celtic Day began and ended at sunset, so it's actually spanning effectively a calendar day. Hmm. Um, and uh, just uh, kind of excusing myself here, there are so many variations of Samhain throughout really all of Ireland, Scotland, uh, Great Britain, and the UK. Uh, so some of these things might sound like, oh, that is from one and, and not the other. Uh, I'm speaking broadly about them, so bear with me. Um, it Likely, the festival has pagan origin, origins, possibly dating all the way back to uh, the Swallow Song of Rhodes, maybe. Um, people de- similarly debate its place on the calendar. Um, most people uh, believe it is a transition between fall to winter, um, from the time of harvest ending at the end of October uh, into the barren months ahead. Uh, more recently, and this is like literally by recent, I mean the 19th century, so 200 years recent, um, uh, some historians uh, have claimed that it represented the Celtic New Year. So it wasn't just uh, this transitional period for mm. your harvest, but it was actually a restart uh, of, of the calendar year. It just seems like a drag to start the calendar year off with, like, no harvest. Yeah, there's... there's I, I, yeah. I am no full-time historian um but there is a lot of weird things whenever you start to dig into uh histories of any uh group of people that are not being represented by the historians where it kind of feels like oh sir digby uh decided this and it's written in these books he didn't provide a lot of evidence but you know he was sir digby (laughs) um classic digby classic digby (laughs) Um, whatever the case, it, uh, one of the core things of all of these festivals uh, is the idea of it being a period of liminal time and space, uh, which is to say that there is a fabric that separates the living from the dead, and during this period of time, it is at its thinnest, mm-hmm. um, and that possibly the dead can come back to Earth in some capacity. Yep. Oh. And for that reason... People must make offerings um, to the dead. This is all covered in the movie Hocus Pocus. So thankfully, it also sounds yes, like the movie we'll Coco. Momentarily, um, <laughs> Hocus Pocus or Coco? But well, kind yeah. Of which one? Uh, Good. <laughs> again, it turns out a lot of people have very similar ideas about the exact same festival. Um, but yeah, by by doing this, not only did you appease the dead, but you kind of like maintain a sense of balance between the realms until. The, the liminal space is closed, and we all can go on with our lives until next year. Um, so let's start on that. Appeasing the spirits and souls. Um, in the case of Samhain, uh, these spirits are basically, uh, as most people would understand it to be, uh, fairies. Um, mm. It's technically, it's, I believe they're called the Ishi, Um And they are uh, Gaelic um, kind of spirits. Um, they must be appeased that people and their livestock survive the winter to come. Uh, food and treats get left outside of homes to appease the spirits. 
Um, some people also believe that on top of that, the souls of the deceased uh, will return home. So yes, like Coco, but also, and this one's for you, Fresh, like Elijah. <laughs> Why is it for me? <laughs> Because you, yes. you, you set you leave a, a setting for Elijah. Oh boy! Okay. Kind of. I get, kind I of. I guess. Right. Yeah, but it's not. You so, do. So, I mean, but that's sure. It's very different. They're not like you're just these siblings. <laughs> I get it. But it is somebody. Who, it, it, it's also Passover. I don't know. I don't associate Elijah with like a ghost necessarily. That's fair. Although I guess he is. <laughs> Listen, I'm just trying to I like, know, make this I, as relatable. I, I, it was my favorite um, of the moments of Passover. Was without listen, question. Plant was just trying to just relate trying to, to you, Russ. But the point is that you, uh, a lot Gosh. of people would leave a, a table setting at their home. So not just would they put food outside. Like when they're having a meal, they left a spot open in case their relative decided to join them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, other festivals and events similar to Halloween break off from from this version this early period of Savin. um one of them is uh no kalen gaya which i will allow people to research on their own uh but let me tell you it's great basically you're terrified of spirits and it takes place in this exact same period of time and uh you like don't walk past uh churches because that's you know where spirits are or like crossroads um, sure. And women and children uh, build a big bonfire and then they throw rocks in it um, or around it and then they leave. Um, uh, and if you like stay around or, or, or don't follow kind of the, the rules of the rock throwing, then you have, you know, messed with the spirits and invited them in. Um, oh, there, there's also variations of it where uh, the leader, again, this isn't specifically no Kalingaya. But where the uh, leader of a group of kids who is going around uh, will carry a horse skull uh, through the streets. So a what? A horse's skull. A what? Oh. Yeah. Oh. What? What are you laughing at, Allegra? <laughs> okay. Where can I just ask where they are acquiring these horse skulls? This is like is that Ireland clear? or Scotland. I, I imagine. Yeah, they've got to like, be everywhere. <laughs> In, back in the, back in the day, like, I mean, okay. have you ever gone camping and you find, like, a fox's skull and you're like, I'm going to wear this as a hat now? Mm-hmm. You didn't do that? That's like voice. Yeah, oh, like, yeah, you're right. It's like, uh, who is that? Cubone. <laughs> sure. It's it is just, just like, like Cubone. Cubone. <laughs> it's mother's skull is being used. The nice thing about horse skulls <laughs> is that they never go bad. You really only need one for your lifetime and you just keep reusing it. Like jeans? Mm. Like, they never go out of My- fashion? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just mean they don't rot. Oh, okay. It just stays um, a skull. So there are many theories from like this geez. period about why people began to impersonate the souls. Um, the big assumption is like, oh, if you if you dress up as the dead, you'll blend in. Yeah. And if the spirits yeah. come to menace you, because I guess you have really piss poor relations with your family, we'll bleep that. That's a bad word. <laughs> right. No, um, that's the classic zombie <laughs> technique well, where you cover yeah, yourself you'll in zombies. Yeah, you'll be dressed mm-hmm. as spirits and, and, and that. And then, once you've already done this, you're like, oh, you know what I can do? I'll go to Todd's house next door. He won't recognize me. I'll say I'm his uncle, and I'll get the offering. Oh. And then some people started figuring okay. it out. You know what? If I dressed up as spirits, I should probably be accepting offerings, too. Yeah, 
That's reasonable. Oh. Again, so what we're going to do is we're going to go into kind of individual <laughs> branches of things that led to that they, if you take these uh, three threads and tie them together, we'll get to trick-or-treating. Cool. The first one is called mumming. Oh, oh okay. Have you heard of mumming? Well, I've heard of mummers. They're like, uh, it's like a traveling show troupe. Kind of, yeah. I, I'm mm-hmm. shocked. So I had never heard of this. What do you mean you're shocked? I'm very educated. I mean, no, sure, that's true, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it may date back all the way to the 13th century. Most documentation on mumming begins around the 18th century. Um, it is most often defined as a type of like local amateur theater performance, like you're describing. Mm-hmm. Uh, amateur actors dress up in costume, they perform in public space, or they will literally go from home to home. So it's like theater meets caroling, which sounds yeah. awful. <laughs> it sounds <laughs> so bad. Awful. Um, and like caroling, it's, it's typically tied to holidays, uh, not just Halloween, but also Christmas, Easter, all sorts of other uh, holidays. Uh, and the, and uh, they sometimes collect money with these performances it can be for themselves but it also can be for a cause like for the church or figgy pudding or figgy pudding um the plays are folk <laughs> plays um uh telling stories local to the region uh which is different than um a lot of other sort of amateur theater like this which mm. is usually like religious plays where they right. reenact the stages of the cross or something like that this is more like they just do rabbit ears stories so uh, apparently most of the stories are like Two people get in a fight, and one of them gets hurt, and then a doctor saves him. Like, this is not a joke. <laughs> like, from what I can tell, the vast majority of mumming just is life just events. This. Yeah. And, 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 and there are variations uh, of this all over, you know, basically London, Ireland, not London, <laughs> Britain, Ireland, <laughs> London, London, Ireland, <laughs> um, London. <laughs> There, just just go with me. Um, uh, some of these are like offshoots, or they could be dramatic siblings, like um, sword dance plays, which you probably have seen. Like performances, I've seen of, like, sword dancing, I, I mock know there battles. Was, but... um, okay, yeah. It could also oh. be an offshoot of a 16th century German tradition uh, of men wearing masks during a carnival and going door to door to compete in dice. Ooh. And it was called <laughs> Mum and Chance. Oh, yeah. A game I've of heard dice. of Mum and Chance. Um, uh, it also, uh, because this is history of fun, and what would history be if it didn't approach something deeply upsetting and racist, um, uh, has a history involving blackface. Um, mummers wear masks uh, or would often paint their faces entirely black. Um, mm. You would think... Hey, that had to have been curtailed recently. Uh, like, more than recently, right? Like, like decades ago. No, not until I think it was, like, 2016 did certain areas were like, you know what? Ugh. We, we got Wrap it. it up. I get that it's, you, you're going to call this tradition, but let's not do that. <laughs> we're a little tired of this, this, uh, this blackface thing. not working out for you. <laughs> and 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 somehow I think there are probably still holdouts. I don't think we've solved that problem. Yeah, oh, no, of I'm, course, you're right. Um, There's mummers, so, traditionalists oh out there. So that's mumming. Uh, next up, we have souling. Now, does that one ring a bell? No, no. Okay, so souling is like mm-hmm. when mumming finds the faith. 
They're like, you know, oh, oh, we found. So it stops being fun, basically. <laughs> no, no. It's actually, I would argue, <laughs> sailing might be the peak. Um, wow. As with many Christian traditions, uh, there are lots of points of overlap between uh, Christian uh, celebrations that we understand them as today and uh, pagan traditions. Um, basically. Almost like they were stolen. <laughs> almost. Um, in, in the 8th <laughs> century, the, the Catholic Church is looking around and they're like, Yo, people love uh, Samhain. Like, they are all about this. Like, how, yeah. do, how do we compete with this? It's so cool. Um, we need to come up with our own thing. So, they uh, look at the, the Catholic calendar, and they're like, oh, well, we've got All Hallows Tide on October 31st. We got All Saints Day, November 1st. And we got All Souls Day on November 2nd uh man we've nailed it like let's just like really lean into this there's already lots of ghastly stuff going on here where we like get really cool with a whole bunch of dead people um how how can we how can we like really maximize what we've got to offer so they kind of just start borrowing or grafting on sawan traditions so by the 11th century, church members are dressing up as angels, they're dressing up as demons, they're dressing up as saints, they're dressing up as other characters. Uh, or demons people. is surprising. I wouldn't have guessed they'd be <laughs> cool to dress up as demons, I, but okay. I mean, if you think about it, like when you perform a religious play, people stop to dress up as Pontius Pilate. That's true. You know, actually, <laughs> That's also, true. I, I believe in the Catholic Church, she's not seen as a bad guy now. Oh, really? I, 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 be, oh, I could be wrong here, but I believe. Um, he is seen as a man whose hand was forced, and also in some way, like, destiny was Forced by him. who, Chris Plant? God! <laughs> and, okay. Let's yeah, save no, no, this no. for the hey, history hey, analysis. We're, we're not talking Vatican I. We're talking Vatican II, fresh. Oh, okay, <laughs> we're understood. we deep for the, the Catholics <laughs> who listen to our show. <laughs> wow. Um, <laughs> um, by the Middle Ages... Um, during this period, the poor uh, are going door to door and church to church during this period, begging for food and coin. <clears throat> and in exchange, they offer songs and prayers for the deceased, uh, mm. along with the souls of the people who are like, whoever, you know, gives them some food or some um, cash. And there's a reason that people would be like, yes, I need these strangers to pray. Uh, this is very important. This is a good deal. Um, basically, we're going to talk about pre-Reformed Catholic Church. Um, pre- <laughs> Why is this the history? Pre-Reformation, there was a belief that praying for the dead helped transition them from purgatory. Okay? Yep. Um, this is a, the period uh, on which pagan influence is still also very strong in Ireland, Scotland, and Britain. Um, Christians are still uh, leaving lit candles to, like, guide their deceased family members back should they decide to return home. Um, so, basically, the Catholic Church comes up with this idea of soul cakes, which are soul, like, these tasty little uh, treats that you can either bake uh, and eat in honor of the dead, or during this period of time, you could give them to people who come door to door and they would pray on behalf of your family who is deceased, helping mm. them get through purgatory because you need those prayers. And in return, they get a tasty treat. 
Oh. Yeah. Um, but are those people dressed up? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I believe okay. so it's, it, there's a, a weird thing with a lot of the history of trick-or-treating where it's like, they're very vague sometimes. We're like, it was kids, except for it was poor people, except for it was people at church dressed up. And then sure. like, decide, was it all of these? I'm like, eh, maybe. Um, I feel like after like a slice of soul cake, I'd be like, I'm good. Yeah, I so don't need to do another house. The, the cakes, this is, this is from <laughs> a Wikipedia description, so fingers crossed. Um, but they were usually filled with allspice, nutmeg, cinnamon, ginger, or other sweet spices, raisins, or currants. And oh. before before baking, were topped with whoa raisins with every dessert. No, I please continue playing. Were, I am very were here for to the this. Back of the cross to signify that these were alms. <sighs> um, and oh, and yeah. by eating one, eventually, it just kind of came to represent like, oh, it's like freeing the spirit from purgatory by eating it. Now, I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Is he going to sing more songs? Oh, <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> a soul, a soul, a soul cake. Please, good Mrs. A soul cake. An apple, a pear, a plum, or a cherry. And good thing to make us all merry. One for Peter, two for Paul. Three for him who made us all. That was Ringo at the end. He stopped by. Oh, okay. He actually stopped I, I, I by I just my didn't house. think uh, Kendrick Lamar would go into this phase, <laughs> wow, but I kind of wow. like it. Um, <laughs> this might surprise you, but uh, these lyrics feature into a song by Peter, Paul, and Mary called A Solon. But twist, mm. they, 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 they tweaked it to make it about Christmas. Oh. You would think a, a band called Peter, Paul, and Mary would have more respect, but no. apparently not an ounce. Allegra, how are you doing? Oh. <laughs> great. <coughs> that was, was, that great. was wonderful. Well I'm sorry, Plant. I just am so shocked that we get to be in the presence of someone as talented as you. Thank Such you. an angel's that. voice. Um, okay, so that, that's <sighs> Solon. Um, <laughs> no, we, we... Solon also sounds like the album name of some, like, Jimmy Buffett type <laughs> Gone Solon. Gone Solon. Um, soul coughing. Uh, okay, and now the third one, guising, which is kind of oh, a combo. Boy. So both souling and mumming, inspired-ish, are adjacent to guising, which picked up in the 16th century, became really popular in 18th and 19th century Great Britain. Um, guising mixed with like pagan variants in Ireland and Scotland. And this is where basically uh, it leads into a lot of the stuff that we were talking about with your episode on Devil's Night Fresh, which Mm. is where uh, kids dress up uh, requesting food and then threatening mischief should they not get it. Finally getting to the trick part. Yes. Um, And so we kind of have the the basics of trick-or-treating, and guising is really the thing that breaks off in a number of different directions. Is it spelled like disguise? Yeah. G-U-I-S-I-N-G. Interesting. It kind of breaks, Mm -hmm. inspires Guy Fawkes Day, um, which you already mentioned. Um, uh, Uh, No, it's a coincidence that his name is also Guy. Yes, guising. (laughs) But Um, it's different. (laughs) Guising. Guy Fawkesing. Uh... Fun fact about Guy Fox Day that I didn't say on your episode. When I lived in London, uh, I was going to the BBC and got off the tube and uh, immediately got jumped by six, like, 
preteens. I they were like with the masks. No, they were not wearing masks. But it was oh. on Guy Fox Day, and they were screaming at me, "Penny for the guy!" while like punching me. Huh. And yeah, and like two adults like scared them away. Did you give them a penny for the guy? <gasps> of course I didn't. Because Big mistake. I would have given them a pound. Just Why a pound. wouldn't you just give them a penny Even for the guy? Even a hay penny would have been I'll, I'll enough. Be honest, they did not actually want a penny for the guy. They wanted to beat me. Up. <laughs> um, Scary. Yeah, it was not great. <laughs> uh, so, Geising got brought over to North America through European immigrants. Uh, particularly, it's believed Irish emig- immigrants who were escaping the Irish potato famine in the 1840s. And here uh, is where it really started to morph. Um, Geisen gets a mention in the Canadian newspaper in 1911. Uh, and by 1927, it's appearing in Canadian newspapers as trick-or-treating. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just jump right to there. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, it, it kind of just slowly morphs. Thanks, Canada. Uh, and it, it's really Canada in the States. You know, it's a different time. We had better relations. <laughs> um, uh, but it, it's weird. So trick-or-treating starts to kind of pick up ahead uh, of World War II. And, and uh, one of the theories about why it went from guising to trick-or-treating, similar to your discussion of Angels Night, is that maybe it was organized, that trick-or-treating is an organized reaction to people guising on halloween and going and causing mischief and it's like oh mm-hmm. let's make it more palatable um yeah but then the great the great depression happens um so things like get really bad again with guising uh there's a lot of pranks there's a lot of assaulting strangers a lot of vandalizing uh and again like i said that that's a, a theory from history.com that uh Following the Great Depression, that organization of guising happens into trick-or-treating. Uh, then World War II happens. Sugar rations. Trick-or-treating goes mm. down. Oh, no. World, I guess you still can have fruit. World War II ends. Boom, baby. Sugar rations lifted. And yeah. that's when oh, yes. people are so ready, I guess, for trick-or-treating that it, it booms. By 19- it literally booms. The boomers <laughs> cause they boom. The boomers. The boomers boom. The boomers boom. By 1951, uh, trick or treating appears in a Peanuts comic strip. By 1952, <gasps> Disney. He got a rock. That's what happens in the comic strip. He gets a rock. What can I say? <laughs> By 1952, Disney produces a cartoon called Trick or Treat. Stars Donald Duck. Stars Donald Duck's nephews. Which huh. really, I for you, me, that's a team. Like a lot of people are. Is that before, mm-hmm. um, like Scrooge McDuck adopted them? Mm-hmm. No, so mm-hmm. Scrooge, it's not. I don't believe that's how it works. I think they. But I it's think Huey, they Dewey, and Louie, right? Yeah, because there, there, there mm-hmm. were uh, comic book pages before they were. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, 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 I know, but Scrooge existed as a comic book, too. Sure. It wasn't just a cartoon. But did, did he adopt them? I don't know that he adopted them. I think they kind of just all hung out in DuckTales, because Donald Duck definitely hung out with yeah, Huey, called Duxburg, Louie, by the a way. bunch without Scrooge. Okay, <laughs> some trivia to break this up. Um, yeah, from yeah. the late 19th century to the early 20th century, trick-or-treating, trick-or-treating proper, was associated with another holiday. Which one? Hmm. 
Hmm. Dang. Mayday. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Ugh. I'm going to say Valentine's Day because that still feels like trick-or-treating. Mm, no. Me. So the answer is Thanksgiving. Um, oh. I was going to guess that. Blue. Ah. Uh, the New York Public Library has an entire thing on this uh, called the Ragamuffin Parade. Uh, children would dress up as beggars, but really they, they could end up wearing uh, all, a variety of costumes. Um, and it got bad. They would, they would do this parade, the Ragamuffin Parade, on Ragamuffin Day, uh, which is on Thanksgiving, and they would just start causing more and more trouble. The city oh, no. really turned on it. Um, they, they started to lock it down in the 30s. Uh, and essentially were like, hey, you can't, kids, no more begging. And by the 50s, the tradition is just dead. Because it's like, well, we have, yeah. we have Halloween. And also, like, if we can't beg for things, why are we even doing this? Also, you could just, like... The kids don't have; they're little, so you could just like boss them around and they'll do what they, you want. They look menacing. There are photos also, of this that we can share on on the, <laughs> on the Twitter, and one oh of them is wearing that dang horrifying Mickey Mouse costume. Oh no! Yeah, and imagine that coming at you. Oh, but back then that was cute. No, they didn't know. I don't think so. I think it was always <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> wow. Okay. Also, the other thing is that Thanksgiving is everyone's mm, favorite holiday. No, no, disagree. Halloween's the best but holiday. We, no, this what? sounds like we're dipping into another episode. <laughs> but hard. Just saying, no one's going to desecrate disagree. the sanctity of Thanksgiving. Okay, but okay. So, uh, here, here, th- that that like basically gets us to the present day. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to talk about a few other inspirations, but before we get to that, I just want to know from all of you, like, what what was your favorite Halloween costume? That you Allegra, that you wore, like that we personally that I wore. Allegra, did you actually have uh, a Halloween costume, or did you just sit at home reading? <laughs> well, my dad f- forced me to go trick or treating because he wanted the candy, oh, yeah. so I would have to go. Um, one year, I was a Pokemon. I was Meryl, Meryl. who mm-hmm. was a very round blue yes. mouse. So I wore a gigantic round like felt thing with Meryl's face on it like on mm. my stomach and it was extremely obnoxious and it was very good and I felt very powerful. Okay. That's good. Prash. Um I was the original Game Boy oh. one year. I was gonna Whoa. say Allegra wins no matter what, but I I lied. Prush well wins. but wait. What? Because I haven't I haven't <laughs> described it yet. Because uh-huh. you would think the original Game Boy would just be like a large gray box. Uh-huh. But actually my mom who's very into like creating like this stuff very creative created like added like a bunch of game boards like old games like Candyland and stuff like that and stuck that all over me and so i was the original game before the game boy it was Candyland and the other games sorry etc okay so you were a oh pedantic my gosh, version yeah. of the i hate what i'm about to say because it's going to show that we are just twinsies I also was bad at Halloween and had to explain my costume to every person I met. And I was a serial killer. And I was a collection of 20 serial boxes with a knife through me and blood pouring everywhere. 
Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity to say that if you have to explain your costume, it is a bad costume. There is really no way around it. If you play that side character from the A-team and you're like, this is a really good costume for the side character of the A-team, but nobody knows who the A-team is, bad costume. Can, can I t- Don't do it. Can I tell you my favorite is um, because of like all the surgeries I had to have as a kid? Mm-hmm. Um Yes that my parents made me a boxer when I was, like, three because my, like, lip was all just destroyed and I, like, had, like, swelling from uh, the surgery so it looked like I had a black eye. It's like, oh, we'll just make you a boxer. And they're like, oh, everybody thought it was so impressive. But now I think back about it and they were like, no, probably everybody could tell I was actually bruised. So they probably just thought you beat the crap out of your three-year-old and then made yeah. him a boxer thinking you could get away with it. Like, you know what? I, I This black eye's just not going away. Let's just make I, something I like it. Out. I think it's nice. No, it's, it's very cute. I just would love to know what anybody thought when we went door to door. Okay, so we have that. Uh, a really quick few things. Other holidays uh, that I recommend people look into that are adjacent to this. Uh, Punky Night. This is a West Country tradition um, practiced on the last Thursday of October. What's a West Country? Like Somerset. Oh, Um, okay. Children march around with a jack-o'-lantern. And I didn't even mention this. A lot of uh, Samhain uh, traditions involve a carved-out turnip. And you turn it into a oh, lantern. A turnip. Yeah, it's a turnip. But here, you carve out the jack lantern and you sing a song. Mm, mm, and it goes oh, a little something mm. like this It's funky night tonight. It's funky night tonight. Adam and Eve would not believe. It's funky night tonight. <laughs> wow, that's a little risque. Um, there are some variants of this old rhyme which also include these lines Give me a candle, give me a light. If you don't, I get a fright. I like these. These are good. Yeah. And that, that, there's, there's all sorts of traditions around Punky Night. Um, people uh, obviously should look up the Roman Fralia Festival, Fralia, uh, which commemorates the dead. Uh, the Roman Pomona Festival is another one that is often cited in relationship to Halloween. Um, and obviously, Dia de los Muertos, or Day of the Dead, uh, the Mexican holiday that is uh, a variation of really the Catholic traditions around uh, All Hallows Night, uh, All mm. Saints Day, and All Souls Day. Um, as made famous in Coco. All, yes, as made famous in Coco, and which I'm sure if you listen to this episode after watching that film, you could see the many, 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 many connections uh, between them. So yeah. It's definitely my favorite. Stylistically, it's <clears throat> awesome mm-hmm. and super cool, and I like the everything about um that day yeah i mean i i really wish um Samhain or shavin was like i wish there was more media around it at least that i was aware of because mm-hmm. the visuals of it that you come across and that i like i said I'll, I'll share some of this on our twitter account they're so cool and like mm. weird and not something that you see really in popular culture very often i feel like day of the dead has like there are two CG movies out about it. It's still by no means what I call it, like, mainstream. And I'm glad sure. that we're still getting more and more and more about yeah. it versus just traditional Halloween. 
but it is this weird thing for how much culture there like popular culture there is around halloween that the actual really weird grimy um like i I think cool pagan origins of it have kind of not gotten that same attention i i hope that maybe that'll change now that it feels like um paganism and uh witchcraft and wiccan culture are like kind of having a moment right now there's that great piece in the new york times about how uh women in social media are sharing a lot more of things adjacent to this on like instagram Mm. and stuff uh oh yeah so my my hope is that that like that renaissance will also make this stuff a little more popular Mm. we'll see Bring the craft yeah. back, baby. I want to go see it in a movie yeah. theater this holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> I like practical magic. Um, so I have, uh, uh, it's a certain time. Do you know what time it is? It is. Yeah. How about, how about you uh, inform us? Yeah, Russ, what time is Reader it? Reader only memories. Reader only memories. Uh, Spooky edition. Thank you. Uh, This is from Nick on Twitter. When I was 12, I dressed up as a petrochemical engineer on strike, which was in the news at the time in Quebec, and I was refused all candy that had plastic wrappers for the entire evening. Oh, oh no. Uh, He he asked me to read that in Abe Simpson's voice, which I have, I really wish I had (laughs) done, but I have no idea how to actually imitate Abe Simpson. (laughs) <laughs> this generic like, old guy oh, was the tradition back in the day um uh james on twitter said that i got a penny and a sticker to vote for ross perot which i also remember oh my gosh the amount of um <laughs> i won't go too far in this but like political um paraphernalia that i got when i was a kid in the midwest so much and also really? a ton of stuff uh where it was like, oh, you don't get a toy, but you get this book. And the book was an advertisement for their non-denominational church, or it was a book on the true Mm -hmm. horrors of um, abortion. Uh, Which, when you're like seven, (laughs) and you come home and you have like five of those, and you pour out with your candy, it's really something. Um, (laughs) From Andrew Webster, our, our colleague at The Verge, once got a full pack of juice boxes, which was good because I had wandered very far from home and was thirsty. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and was thirsty. He wasn't concerned about being lost. He was well, yeah, just very juice, thirsty. Uh, this is from uh, a pumpkin but kind of wonky on Twitter, or at Grimmer John. When I was younger, I was terrible at figuring out costumes for myself. So one year, I was Ohio, just a big cutout of the state I wore around my neck. People at houses asked if I was a fan of geography. <laughs> nope. Just needed to be something to get candy. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, very Eric good. Eric on Twitter, uh, in middle school, my friends and I would play poker on Halloween using trick-or-treating halls as money. Only problem, uh, no one could agree on the relative value of candy. So it'd be like, is a fun-sized crunch bar better than a Kit Kat? Should different flavors of Starburst <laughs> be worth more? Which definitely sounds like my group of friends, where we would have this very fun idea, and then we would never actually get to enjoy it, because we'd be debating how the game works. Yeah, the logistics of that are very tough. I feel like uh, full-size Snickers mm-hmm. would be at the top of the heap. 
and then maybe like nerds Fol- slash starburst. See, I, this mm. I would this would benefit me because you're you're motivated to take advantage of people's bad taste. Like I've got yeah. sure, yeah, full size mm. Snickers, top of the heap. That sounds great. Well, you don't like Snickers? No, I want like a Butterfinger but or a Reese's. This, this no. season is sponsored by Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Take that. It's Crunch Bars. <laughs> we don't do advertorials um, here. Yeah, Owl Possum shared some adorable uh, Halloween photos from childhood, which we should share some on our account of our own and invite people to share their own when this episode I don't know that live. I have any. Really? Maybe. <laughs> I want to see the Game Boy. He might be somewhere around there. <laughs> Um, Jonathan on Twitter said, as a kid, I wouldn't ever ask trick or treat. Instead, I would ask, is this your house? And then the follow up question would be about their pets, kids and rooms in their home. Also, my younger brothers, my friend's younger brother used to think that you had to trade your candy at houses. We should have just let him. <laughs> Can you imagine how menacing that would Is be? This your like an eleven-year-old comes up and they just like put their elbow against the door, like mantle, and they're like, "So, uh, how many rooms you got in here?" <laughs> I want to say for the people that think it's a good idea to leave a bowl of candy on their front stoop, don't do that. It's far better to just leave nothing and turn all your lights off. Because the candy bowl is invariably going to be empty by 8.30, and people are going to be not happy. Uh, there, there are so many good ones. I'm, I'm going to wrap up That's with true. two more. Uh, please clap on Twitter. One year I went as a Campbell's Soup can. My mom took a 55-gallon drum and painted the outside to be a can. It was super heavy, but my 12-year-old yeah. self was ecstatic to be a big old can of chicken noodle. <laughs> So and that's another note I want to give about costumes. If it's a costume you don't want to wear for five minutes, you really don't want to wear it for three hours. Yeah. Bad costume. Um, uh, and this is from uh, Maria on Twitter. Trick-or-treating wasn't a thing where I grew up, and I moved to North America when I was 17. I tried to sheepishly go trick-or-treating, and after telling the first house they were so nice, I had a ton of fun. Aww. That's encouraging. Yeah. So nice. Um, there That's are more, great. and we'll share some of these from the account uh, when the episode goes live. Uh, and back to you, Russ. Thank you so much, Chris Plant, for joining us and sharing all that knowledge about Samhain and the singing and everything. We really enjoyed it. Especially, Especially the, the singing. singing. We'll have to bring that back. Look forward to the <laughs> look forward to the EP that we'll be releasing. <laughs> Uh, if you haven't given us a review, uh, please do that and leave um, a uh, a note on what you dressed up as as a small child. Uh, what was your favorite costume when you uh, leave your review? If you haven't done that yet on Apple Podcasts, um, also if you haven't followed the official Twitter account of this podcast, it is the History of Fun on Twitter. It's where you can find all the latest updates about new episodes and what we're up to. You can also follow us at all our personal uh, accounts, which you've all heard a number of times, but I won't repeat that. But until next week, this has been The History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories of the things you love. To do spooky, leap those dips, everybody. Leap the dips. Leap the dips. Leap the dips.